Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show podcast. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for, uh, I was going to say tuning in with us again, but you're not really tuning in. You're searching us and listening. That's right. <laughs> no more tuning. Technology. It's amazing. It's hard to uh, it's hard to change how you say things. Tony and I were on the radio for 12 years, 11 years. Oh, yeah. So uh, that know, makes us old. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, but people don't listen to the radio anymore. No, I know. So it's all about the podcast. So that's what we're doing. Is there a podcast uh, besides ours that you listen to regularly? No, there's not. Uh, you know, honestly, yes, I listen to the Bible Project. I don't know if you've ever listened to those guys. No, I haven't. They're based out of Portland, Oregon, and uh, they're they're really interesting. I mean, very interesting. Cool. If you get the opportunity. Cool. How about you? Yeah, I got, I got a, I got a couple. Uh, yeah, I really like to listen to uh, Don Eisen and Zach Braff. Ooh. These guys were in oh, a TV they were... show called Scrubs. Oh, I remember those guys. Uh, fake doctors, real friends. It's a pretty good podcast. Those guys are very funny. You see them on T-Mobile commercials now. Yeah, I've seen them. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, they're uh, they're very funny. Uh, I like those guys. So that's something I frequent. Well, there you go. Well, hopefully people listen to us. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a few followers. We got some listens out there. As you know, we, we get analytics that shows us uh, um, what's going on, and we see there's a lot of listening going on. So that's what keeps us coming back. I know. That's right. It's not just our moms anymore. Right. No, it's not just the moms. We got, uh, we got actual people out there who enjoy the information that we bring. And however it is that that is, that's it is what it is. That's right. I feel like the, for the first several years of us doing the show, it was only your mom listening. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, and then your mom came along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then she we was, were, yeah, yeah, totally. Then we were good. <laughs> anyway, so you know, Tony, September is Emergency Preparedness Month, and I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about emergency preparedness because it's a thing. You know, the wildfires are happening in the Pacific Northwest. Kind of happens every year in the summer, and earthquakes are a thing that happen here in the Pacific Northwest, so I feel like we need to talk about it. There is definitely a lot of things about emergency preparedness that are things we should be thinking about and we're not. Yeah, good reminders. And it's to a whole bunch of different levels, right? On the simplest level to the most complex level. The most complex level maybe being... Um, an earthquake, maybe the Cascadia subduction zone earthquake. That's a major, major deal, right? Um, and it could be on a simple scale where the power went out and, or, or maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a little thing going on in the neighborhood and you want to be away from the house for a few days. Totally. You could have a gas leak. Yeah. You could have a main, a water main break. You could have a dam break. You could have a bridge collapse. These are things that happen all over the United States every day. Right. So if you're not any sort of prepared, then you're some, probably in trouble. Right, right. As some sort of preparedness is uh, is going to benefit you, I guarantee it. And at the very least, start thinking about it. At Absolutely. least be thinking about it. Absolutely. So I actually want to break this show up into two parts. 
I think we're going to talk about all the things you need to do to be prepared, but very specifically, one of the items that's in all of these things is an emergency preparedness kit. Yeah. And all of the things that go into an emergency preparedness kit is extensive. We, Tony and I have compiled a massive list of things that you should put in there as bare minimum, and then some more obscure things that would be really handy to have for specific scenarios or specific emergencies. So... Let's go through the list. These are some of the things that you have to consider when to be prepared for an emergency. And like I said, number one, have an emergency kit. It's bare minimum. Have something in your car. Have something in your garage. Have it wherever you can have access to it. And, you know, it's funny because I've thought about this many times, and I actually have two or three emergency kits. I have one in my work vehicle. I have one in my personal vehicle and my wife's vehicle. I have a bigger one in our home. And what that allows me to do is be prepared for multiple types of emergencies. If I'm at work, I have what's called a get-home bag. I keep it in my PAR truck, my, my personal work truck, I mean, and it goes with me everywhere. So if we were to have an earthquake... I would have everything I need, that I think I need anyway, <laughs> to get me home. You know, if, if we got knocked out, if we got our communications knocked out, if I had to stay the night on the side of the road, because it's quite a long drive for me to get from work to home. And if my kids were at home and I was at work, I definitely want to get there. You know, I'm not sitting around waiting for emergency services to show up and shuttle me somewhere, right? I'm, right. I need to get home. And if that means hiking the 15 miles or 18 miles it is for me to get to from work to home, I'm doing it. So I have everything in there. That's just something to consider, having an emergency kit. And if you're at home, obviously, you need more things in it. So Right. And an emergency kit takes on a lot of different um, shapes, sizes, inclusions, even different names, like you said, a get-home bag. Yeah. So we will cover uh, an extensive list of the things that would be in an emergency kit like that. In part um, two. In, yeah, in part two. Um, but an emergency kit, number one. Number two on the list, a communication plan. This is very important. We talk about um, practicing safety. We practice safety at work. People practice safety all across the country, all across the world. Well, the same thing goes for your family. You need to have a communication plan with your family so that everyone in the family that resides in the home, and even children that have moved away from home but are nearby. They need to know what your plan is, and they need to have a plan so that you go to the same place and meet in the same place together, and you are prepared to move forward, you know, not knowing what's happening. But a communication plan is very important. Designated, A designated out-of-town contact who everyone who's not together and maybe can't get a hold of each other, can get a hold of someone out of town who holds vital information for the entire group. Right. Um, and then we know that um, that cell phones are very versatile and they give us the ability to communicate um, differently than it used to be with, uh, with a regular phone. Um, but cell phones may not be, and regular phones may not be available to us in the case of an emergency. There, it may be more difficult to get information out. But however it is that you do, you should have somebody out of town that's not suffering 
that can have information for everybody. Everybody knows where to go. Everybody knows who to talk to. And so that you don't end up without some portion of your tribe. Right, right. And if you have kids that don't have cell phones, I have a nine-year-old. He doesn't have a cell phone. So having him carrying around an emergency list of numbers of my phone number, my wife's phone number, his sister's phone number, grandma and grandpa's phone numbers, you know, all of those things for communication purposes is vital. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so number three on the list is emergency contacts. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of, with just going along with the communication plan, having those emergency contacts that everyone can call. Like Tony said, having a, a person that you trust within the family that has vital information, who, where, where everyone is, you know, sometimes that communication gets interrupted, especially in an earthquake. If all of the power's out and all of the cell towers are out, when things are going to get spotty, sometimes they'll bring in emergency internet, right? They'll set up these towers and have emergency internet. So you might have internet service that you can log in and contact. So having those contacts is key, especially for emergency fire. You know, it's not just 911. There's other things that are vital to have in your emergency contact list. Absolutely. Very important so that everyone's on the same page so that everyone ends up where they're supposed to be. Um, an evacuation plan. This is primarily for the people who you're living with in your home, right? If there's an incident, uh, whether that's an earthquake or uh, a flood or whatever it is that's going on. A wildfire. A wildfire. And you have to get out in a hurry. You First of all, back to the emergency kit, you don't want to be trying to build a bag full of things in that moment. You want to grab and go. And everybody needs to know how to get out safely and where to go from there. Where is the meeting place? Um, if the house is full of smoke or something like that, and uh, people are going from different parts of the house, they need to all be going to the same place so that you can meet up together. So an evacuation plan. How do we get there? And where do we end up? And does everyone in your family know it? Right, and communicate it. Yes. Communication plan includes the evacuation plan. Yeah, practicing those drills, making sure your kids understand if you have uh, what a fire alarm sounds like inside your home, what a... Like a carbon monoxide yes, poisoning kind you. of thing or something like that. A yeah. carbon... Or a radon. Carbon yeah, have, knowing what those alarms sound like, what they mean, and where to go. If if their kids if you have kids on a second story do you have a ladder for them do they need to climb down a ladder you know you definitely don't want your kids running into danger right. you want them out of the house as fast as possible so I've actually taught my kids we're on the main floor but I've taught them how to pop their screens open jump out where to meet and we know that if they're not there they're still in the house I'm going back in to get them of course so of if course. they're if they're somewhere else that could potentially be dangerous for me. So we were talking about in the in the case of an emergency and, you know, there's several things that that could be. Well, this is an important part. You should know what your risks are. What is most likely to be something that you might be facing? Obviously, we might be facing a power outage. We might be facing some flooding scenarios. We might be facing uh, an earthquake scenario. Uh, probably not going to have a lot of hurricane situations or tornadoes here. 
but um, know your local risks so that you can be prepared for those ahead of time. Absolutely. And there are resources locally. Most jurisdictions have resources for you to discuss and talk about emergencies that could potentially happen. You know, if you live in an area where there's a giant dam upstream, right, is what is the possibilities of that dam breaking? And are you going to be in your into a flood situation? Those are the things that you might not necessarily be prepared for, but could be a reality. You know, we all know about tornadoes and wildfires and floods and hurricanes and all of those things and earthquakes. But those things that are municipality type emergencies that you wouldn't necessarily think of. So it's a good idea to get to know your area. What are you getting yourself into? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, and you were talking about the alarm system, the, the different types of alarms that we might hear, knowing um, that you're subscribing to, that you that you have talked to different agencies that might be alerting, like uh, NOAA, NOAA, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're responsible for national weather, something along those lines. Um, yeah, they have... They have alerts. If there was some kind of natural disaster, there's going to be an alert. The National Broadcast System alert. These are things that you should be you should be um, teaching your family, like you said, but also make sure that you're prescribing to something like an Amber Alert on your phone, for example. Uh, you should know what that is, and you should be prescribing to it if it's if it's applicable to you. Yeah. Well, keep in mind. And this is something that a lot of people probably wouldn't necessarily consider. But if you use a cell phone that is from another state or you have a VPN on your phone, a VPN is something that masks your IP address. You might not get emergency alerts onto your phone. If especially if you're connected to Wi-Fi or some sort of internet and you don't have cellular service, these are just things to keep in mind. So making sure that you're set up on the right systems, on the right alert systems, whether it's text messages or weather apps or family and friends that notify you, just having it ready. Something to consider. Something that you can do inside the home to help prepare for a situation that you're not prepared for or are not expecting is to secure heavy furniture or appliances to the wall. If you've got a large um, refrigerator or a large hutch in the house that is maybe it's full of China, um, you would want to have that securely fastened to the structure of the wall from behind. It doesn't need to be something that you can see when you're looking at it. Um, A metal strap that's got a screw into your stud and a screw into the back of the hutch that, that fastens it, mechanically fastens it to the wall so that in the case of an earthquake or something like that, you're, it's not falling, which is causing more hazards inside the home while you're trying to get out. Another one that is a safety measure, of course, is making sure that you have smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors, maybe a radon detector, those need to be installed, functioning, and the batteries need to be changed regularly. If you're not doing that, then you're setting yourself up for 
disaster. Bad things. <laughs> Bad yeah. things to happen to you and your family. This is not an expensive thing to keep your no. smoke detectors and your carbon monoxide detectors operating functionally is not expensive. It's annoying. Can I ask a question? It's nuanced. I'm going to ask a question. Yeah, go ahead. Why do the batteries on these detectors go out at three in the morning? I just, I'm wondering. Well, here's the thing. I think that the beep starts um, when the beep starts and then the beep just goes for months and months and months until you replace that battery. No. I mean, I'm going to... You're saying it always starts at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the last couple times I've had a smoke detector go out, it was in the middle of the night. I have to be honest because I have a carbon monoxide sensor in my home right now that is on my uh, kitchen counter with the battery pulled out. Oh boy. Because I don't have nine volts. I got to go buy a pack of nine volts. But the battery went out in the middle of the night. I'm going to tell you why. I have the answer. This is the end-all, beat-all answer. Because you did not replace it one year after you installed it intentionally. That is true. It is your unintentionality that is causing you to be alerted at 3 o'clock in the yeah. morning, which has now resulted in a carbon monoxide warning sensor on your counter not doing its job I should have replaced it. If you do that last year. when you change your clocks every year, the batteries will never run out. Well, we're getting rid of that. We're getting rid of daylight savings well, time. You're gonna have to find another thing to remind you. Christmas Day. Every year. Christmas, Christmas Day. Yeah, Christmas Day is a weird day. Um <laughs> what about um Labor Day weekend? There you go. That's a good one. Or Memorial Day weekend. Whatever it is. Halloween. Some whatever date you choose. Because if you don't do it, it's Spooky situation coming. Scary. Yeah. Anyway, that happened to me, and I'm a I'm I'm in there. I did it. I pulled it out of the wall. I got up at three o'clock in the morning. I was so tired. At I least walked you out. didn't hit it with a broom. No, I just took it out. I realized the battery was dead, and I set it on my kitchen counter. This was just the other night. I took a uh, I took a smoke detector off of the ceiling that was beeping, and after I took it disconnected it from the thing, from the wires that were in the ceiling and pulled it down and set it on the counter. It was still beeping. And then I reached in and I pulled the battery out and it was still beeping. That's crazy. After the battery was out, it was still beeping. There is a little watch, smaller watch battery inside there that will carry that beep forward for a time, even after the battery is out. What's the point of that? Yeah, I mean, well, apparently it's trying to save somebody's life. Well, it's, it's telling you to put the battery in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so to you're saying to avoid all that, just replace it yearly. Replace it yearly if you just intentionally do it. All right. Intentionally. Heed my own advice. Mm-hmm. Fire safety. Do you know, have you, I'm, this is going to sound silly. Do you, Have you ever used a fire extinguisher in an emergent situation? I have not. I, I, I never. I actually did. I did use a fire extinguisher in an emergency situation. I used it wrong, but I used it. It worked okay. I mean, it worked How out. How did you use it wrong? Well, because it was a grease fire. Oh. And I used the wrong extinguisher for that grease fire. But but it did not end badly. I mean, it did put out the fire, um, even though it turned out it was the wrong extinguisher. But 
Um, but I have. Well, that's something to point out. Yeah, that there are different extinguishers for different types of fire, for sure. And you need to make sure that the type of fire extinguisher you have in the particular place that you want to use it in. Like, for instance, if you have a barbecue outside, you would want a particular fire extinguisher there Mm -hmm. versus if you have one near your kitchen and you know that could potentially be a grease fire, Mm -hmm. you would want to have that particular fire extinguisher there. And if you have an electronic fire, then there's another kind of fire extinguisher for that. Yes. It's all Yeah, it's all all part and parcel. They got like an A, a B, a a D. I don't know. There's a bunch of different types. Well, we're not experts on- Do some research on that, but uh, make sure you have- talk about that next episode. Make sure you have the right fire extinguisher where it belongs, and make sure you know how to use it. Uh, You're supposed to do a low sweeping thing. Well, and make sure that everyone in your house knows where they are, and make sure everyone in your house knows how to use them. Right. If- I know how to use it, and I know where it is, and my kids don't. Communication. I'm not home. Communication plan. Yeah, that should include fire safety. That's a fail yeah. on me if if they don't know that information. Uh, also, going along with fire safety, we talked about this before, but having a an escape a fire escape plan. Right, you know, and a general it. escape plan. But fires are different. Like I said earlier, you know, you you have kids that are that don't know what to do. And they're going to be confused. And probably the first thing they're going to think about is, I need to get to my parents' room. Or I need to, you know, see my parents. And that might not be the the best path for them. Right. Especially if the the window in their room is the safest immediate exit to a safe place. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like you said, practice it. Practice. All right. The next one on the list is to have your medical needs. There are many people on many medications and in an emergency situation, if you got to get out, if you got to go, or if you need to be gone for an extended period of time, or if we have the big one, the big earthquake, and we don't have power or services for weeks or even months, do you have what you need medically to keep you alive? Do you have a chronic medical situation? Me? Yeah. Depends on what you mean by chronic. I know. I don't know. I just was thinking chronic. Do I take medication? Yes, I do. Do you do? Yeah, I do. I definitely do. But I can tell you something that is something that I did years ago when we did this show the first time is I, I got extra, right? So I have a, an allotment of medication that I take that is just for emergency. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, because, you know, with your pre- if your prescription drugs that you have are being paid for by your insurance company, they don't just let you stock it up. Right. You know, they let you refill your prescription when your old prescription is out. But there is a little overlap there. If you if you ask the, the, the pharmacy that's supplying your medication, when is the soonest I can get my prescription refilled? They'll say, this is the date. If you show up on that date and you get your prescription refilled, there's some overlap. Some doses of that medication will be left over extra. Yeah. I think you're right as long as it's not narcotic. No, no, no. Right. You right, know, like right. those, uh, there's there's those prescriptions that are require you to be in person. Sure. Doctors that sign note, all those things. 
controlled substances. But yeah, like you said, like if you're taking blood pressure medicine, blood yeah, blood pressure medicine. Yeah, or you could probably you know, get that refilled every anti antipsychotics twenty five days. You know, like I do, <laughs> crazy meds. Yeah, a <laughs> kid, a kid. Uh, yeah. So anyway, having medical needs, and you know, it could also be in regards to hygiene, personal hygiene. So think about those sorts of things for an extended period of time and what you would need and where you're going to keep it. This is something else. We talked a little bit about having cash. Where are you keeping that cash? Yeah, good point. I mean, you, you don't want to have... Keeping that in a safe? Yeah, you don't want to have like a bunch of cash hanging around in a you know, in your wallet or in in an envelope somewhere or under right. your mattress. I mean, maybe you're storing the cash in your go bag or maybe you're storing your cash in the safe. I mean, just because you're saving cash for an emergency situation doesn't mean it's going to be burned up or or flooded, right? Or buried in an earthquake. I mean, it could just be that things outside are bad. You know, it could be war. What if we were at war? You're going to want to have cash, maybe, if we were at war. Never know who you need to pay off. All I was going to say is this. If you've, you've made a conscious decision to save some cash or currency of some kind, and you've decided a safe place to keep it. Keep in that same place medical records, birth certificate, social security cards, passports, you know, all of there. Everyone has this important stuff. Let me tell you what I do. And you can tell me if I'm doing it right. I have in a safe that I have access to a fireproof bag a larger fireproof bag with handles, zippers. It's waterproof and fireproof. And it's got a big handle on it. And inside of there, I have my all of our stuff. From birth certificates, passports, medical records, mortgage stuff, financial stuff. It's all in there. And it's inside this bag, inside of the safe. And then I also have inside of there a fireproof bag with uh, uh, Velcro. So it Velcro's closed and I've got a little bit of cash in that. So in the case of a fire, I think my fireproof safe with my fireproof bag of money sitting in another fireproof bag <laughs> should survive. Yeah. But I in think. an emergency, I can open that safe, grab that whole bag, and go. Yeah. You think that's the way? You think that's right? Yes, I do think that's right. I think that uh, might be a little bit of over, but you're Overkill. but you're a planner. So I would say good job. I think that's good. Yeah. I don't think you have to worry about your money disintegrating inside your well, uh, like six, you said, your six hour safe. Number ten on our list is the financial being financially prepared, and we're not talking about retirement. We're talking about having, like you said, cash, maybe your ATM card, credit cards, documents, things that you need to, to continue on. Or if your house was destroyed, you have everything you need to get what you need. Because I don't know if you've ever gone to the DMV or gone to get any sort of new information and they ask you for all the information. Like if you lost all that stuff, they'd say, well, we need your... This we need your passport. It's like, right. oh, I lost it. 
well, we need your birth certificate. Well, I lost that too. If you don't have any of that stuff, yeah. it is going to be a long, arduous process for you. How about this? Cell towers are down. Whatever this emergency is, it resulted in cell towers being down. Let's call this the big one, right? The, uh, the, the subduction zone earthquake. And you are in your car and you're driving. We did it. We got out of the house. We're in the car. We're driving. We got the whole family here. We're going to be fine, right? Pull to the gas station to get gas. And guess what? They're not taking credit cards because cell towers are down and they can't communicate with that. Mm-hmm. Cash is the only way. Cash is king. You better have some cash. I mean, this is the same exact situation. Just yeah. one simple thing. You have to buy gas to make your car go so you can get to a safe place. And um, and you can't get gas unless you got cash because credit card machines aren't working. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing that I always think about, too. And like you just threw that scenario by me and I've never really thought that through. But I tend to never let my gas tank get below half a tank. Because I know that if we need to go get in the rig and go, I need to have at least two to three hundred miles of fuel in my vehicle. So personally, if it gets to a half a tank, I'm filling it back up because in an emergency, I need to go. You know what I mean? Like I'm not practice. I'm not getting down. I'm jumping or I'll jump it in an emergency. Shoot, need to get gas, guys. (laughs) Hang tight. Yeah, you need need snacks. It's not happening. Yeah, you no. gotta get. You gotta go. You gotta go. What about your What about your pets? You have a cute little puppy dog, and um, in the case of an emergency, it's three o'clock in the morning, and you have just heard your your smoke alarm going off, yeah. and um, and it's not because the battery's dead. Yeah, could be fire. It's gonna happen. Yeah. What do What about uh, What about Fido? What about Oliver? Well, you know, this is tough. I've I've seen many heated discussions on the internet about saving your pets versus saving your kids versus saving Wait, versus? Well, I've seen conversations ha- had online about saving either saving your pet or saving someone else's kids. Oh, I've someone, seen this. someone else's kids. It's a heated debate. Yeah, I don't know who's choosing their pet over their kids. There are some people who would rather choose their pet over someone else's kids. Hmm. There's a lot of people, as a matter of fact, that would say, no, I'm saving my dog versus that neighbor's kids. Yikes. It's weird to me, Yeah, but that's me. I mean, you know, you cannot cannot put a value on a relationship that someone has built. And it doesn't matter whether it's a pet or a family member. A relationship is a relationship. And if you don't have that same relationship with your next door neighbor, then you're probably not prioritizing their kids. That's weird. I mean, I prioritize, I prioritize the human life. Human over life? A, yeah. Over a pet life. In, in personally. Yeah. Even if it was my little doggy. But yeah. no, going back to that, pet yeah. preparedness, mm-hmm. having food, water, if your dog's on medication, your cat's on medication- being able to get out of the house, have everything you need to take care of your pet. It's just part of the thing. Something to think about. Yep. Something to think about. Where does your pet sleep? In the case of a fire, are you going to put yourself at risk? Are you going to run through the house looking for Fido? If, you know, in that 
excuse me, in that emergency. Right. So just that's, something to consider. A good question. Something to think about. Something to plan for. Something to practice. Next. Something to have communicated yes, to the family. Absolutely. All right. Next one on the list. Insurance. Insurance. I had a pretty interesting conversation with a friend of mine who owns an insurance agency. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say who he is because he he told me not to. Okay. But he said that most people are underinsured. There has been situations where in his particular business, there was a woman who had her home insured for 60 years. Never one time had a ser- a claim, never one time. But after 60 years, her house burned to the ground. And in that time frame, nobody had ever reviewed her policy. She just kept renewing it and renewing it and renewing it and renewing it. But after 60 years, when she signed up for that policy, her house was valued at like $20,000. Sure. And when her house burned down, it was valued at $220,000. $600,000, right? Okay. So she was paying this policy... And it was going, it, you know, the, the value went up, but it was minuscule. So when her house burned down, she didn't have remotely enough money in her policy to pay for her home, let alone all of the things that she lost. So being prepared with your insurance means looking at your policy, seeing what's covered. Do you have pictures of everything in your house? And does the insur- the amount of insurance you carry on your home enough to rebuild it and pay for all that stuff? Right. I mean, personally, I've done tons and tons of remodels to my home since I've bought it. Does my insurance policy reflect how much value I have in my home? Right. Do I have artwork in my home? Do I have personal effects in my home that go over the amount that I have insured? I would lose it all. You see what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. So it's it's important to double check your policies. Even if you're a renter, you can get rental insurance. If you have are in a flood, you need to make sure if you're in a floodplain that you have enough insurance in your flood coverage to cover all of that stuff. It's just part of it. Because I've known people that have had fires personally, and it's devastating. The amount of things you lose... You would never even imagine. So one of the things you can do is walk around your house. Like I said, walk around your house, take pictures of everything you have. Videos are even better. And upload that stuff to a cloud. Have a cloud somewhere, Apple, Google, whatever. Take videos of all of the things in note, maybe values and what they are, model numbers. If you have receipts, put those in your safe. Because down the road... The insurance, com- the insurance company is going to try and pay you the least amount of money humanly possible that your policy will cover. Right. That's just reality. That's their business. Yep. So for you to get it out, you got to have all of that documentation and have the policy to cover it. So he recommended to me to buy an umbrella policy. So I'm actually looking into that. Interesting. Yeah. All right. The next one on the list is community. Community resources. We said a little bit about this earlier, but there are a lot of local emergency shelters, hospitals, resources available to you. And if you don't know about them, then they're not going to help you. 
So find out what your local area has in case of any emergency. And chances are that local resource knows what emergencies you could are, be expecting uh, in your are, area. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a good idea to consider some education, some training in education. Uh, as a volunteer firefighter, I went every week to get some training uh, during that time. Also, I got my my emergency medical technician. I became a, a first responder. These are things that you can do, a CPR course or a first aid class. It's a good idea to be prepared to respond in an emergency situation with some level of expertise that's beyond um, average understanding. Be prepared to be able to take care of your family in case of a worst case scenario where someone's injured um, or, you know, something's happened that you're, of course, not expecting. Yeah. So some bit of emergency training is a good idea. Yeah. Personally, I have CPR, CPR certified, but I also, in my emergency preparedness kit, I actually have a book on field medicine that I try and pick up and read through chapters every so often, but you know, in the for the most part, I've got it in my kit. And if something comes up, I can flip to that page and learn about it and figure out what to do in that moment. Smart, something good to have. Definitely. Uh, next one on the list is regular maintenance. Ugh, maintenance. We, we talked about this. Changing out your supplies, changing out the batteries. That's just one of them. But if you have, for instance, in your kit. Water. Water has a shelf life. Food, canned goods, things, emergency food supplies. All of those have shelf lives and you need to cycle through them. You don't want to have an emergency and go out there and realize that your canned beans are from 1982, right? So maintain it and you'll be much better off. Absolutely. Stay informed. Monitor local news. I don't really watch the news. You're more of a news guy, really, than no, I am. I'm not a news guy. No? I hate I, the news. I, I don't watch the news very much, but, but you know, if we're going along in our everyday lives with our heads buried in the sand because we don't want to know what's going on, like, I don't want that bad news. I don't want that bad news either. But keep your ear tuned to what's going on around you. Be prepared to ask hard questions when you hear something that doesn't sound normal. Wait, what's going on again? You know, maybe you don't watch the news regularly. I don't watch the news regularly, but I do listen to things that might be going on. And I say, all right, what's going on? I need to be informed about this. Well, you're right, because there's a lot of disasters that are slow rolling. Not all disasters are an earthquake or a tornado that just pop up, right? Some disasters are impending hurricanes hurricanes are known hours or days before they hit right or financial crisis or sometimes wildfire sometimes there's wildfires burning in your backyard and you might not even know it because the wind is going the other direction and if it changes direction and all of a sudden you get an alert on your phone that says go and you're not even prepared because you haven't been paying attention that's where, yeah. that's the exact scenario you talk about. Yep. There's a lot of those sorts of things. Bad situation, for sure. 
Well, I think, Tony, that's a lot of information. That really is a lot. Um, we, we have a lot more, but I feel like... A lot of it, though, is intertwined. It is. You don't do one thing without another thing without another thing. So it it kind of comes naturally. If you get your mind into the the groove of thinking about these things, a lot of those things will seem very natural. And um, it will be good to work through the list and get a lot of those things done. Yeah. And if uh, we miss something that you think we should have covered, or if you have any tips or tricks for us, email us or, or go yes. to our, you know, you can email us weekendwarriors at par.com, P-A-R-R.com. Or if you want to go to our YouTube channel, you can go to weekend war or youtube.com forward slash ww home show yes but drop us a line we'd love to hear it and if you know if it's good we'll talk about it on the air we love answering questions so anyway thanks for checking us out we're going to come back with episode two we're going to talk about different types of disasters more specific and we're going to dive into that emergency preparedness kit and what types of things you should have in there absolutely thanks for listening we'll see you next time have a great week